Welcome to episode 115 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Levin. Today we caught up with Kelly Sutton. He works at product at Imagix. Uh, before that, you might have heard of his past startup, Lair Vault, uh, which became really well known for Designer News. So he started that. We dig into his background, talk about Designer News, some of the work he's doing at Imagix, management, so on and so forth. Uh, before we get into that, we have two sponsors we want to thank for making this episode possible. First up, you know them, you love them. Uh, Dropbox is the simplest way to work the way you want. Uh, whether you're sketching, coding, prototyping, writing, recording, literally whatever, uh, Dropbox is with you throughout the entire process. So it works with any kind of file, so you're free to choose the tools you need for every project. When you're ready for feedback, you can send large files to anyone fast just by sending a link. They can see a preview in the web browser without having to upload and download a million times. Super easy. And then their commenting feature gives people a central place to post their thoughts. So that way conversations can happen right alongside the work itself. Uh, Dropbox gives you the freedom to work on anything from anywhere with anyone you choose. You can check them out and get started at dropbox.com. Thanks once again to Dropbox. And our second sponsor, another longtime supporter, Wayno. Wayno is an agency putting out killer work in the design community right now. They are all over Dribble. I'm sure you've seen their work. If you haven't, uh, go check them out. They're wayno.co, U-E-N-O.co. Why are they sponsoring the show? Well, they really just want to support us. And for that, we are so thankful. Uh, in return, go check them out. Just go to wayno.co, U-E-N-O.co. Their team is doing amazing, amazing work for clients like Google, Dropbox, Reuters, Airbnb, Fitbit, Dropbox, an insane list of clients. We love their team. Uh, they have an office here in San Francisco and we've gotten to hang out with them a few times. So if you're ever in town, definitely be sure to reach out to them. They also have an office in New York and in Iceland. So if you need a job, they're hiring. Go to wayno.co and click the careers link in their header. Of course, tell them that we sent you. Huge thank you again to Wayno for making this show possible. Again, check them out at wayno.co. And with that, let's get into episode 115 with Kelly Sutton. Uh, my name is Kelly Sutton, and I am the chief product officer at a little company called Imagix. Do you want that company to grow? Because I bet you could just put some params in the URL, and it would just like grow immediately. It would grow immediately to size. whatever size you wanted yeah. it to go to. Yeah. Uh, Subtle plug. It would do that. Two hundred PPL. Yeah. If you <laughs> <laughs> people per liter, what's that? I don't know. What's, what's the, the unit of value? I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, so you were on Immutable mm -hmm. last week. Yeah, you're suddenly everywhere on spec. Yeah. Yeah, what happened, dude? Uh, nice, nice pun. You're uh, uh, prolific, as they say. Uh, well, I mean, it always starts with a Facebook message. I got a Facebook message, message from... Uh, Each of us. Hey, want to come record mm -hmm. today? How about like in an hour? <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure. That... Uh, I don't have anything going on Sunday afternoon. I was just going to like play some, uh, play some video games or yeah. hang out with the puppy. So I walked over. And that's uh, that's one of the good benefits of being in San Francisco. You can See, walk over to the Spec Studio whenever. Yes, uh, the Spec <laughs> Studio. Hilariously, I never would have pegged you as a video game player. Oh, really? Uh, so I think I tried, it's the tie. It's yeah, the I think tie. it's the tie. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think one of the most embarrassing things on the planet is for a grown man to admit that they they play video games. Uh, and I feel I feel guilty about it every time I do it. I think it's less embarrassing than you think. What do you play right now? Uh, so I just got XCOM 2. Hearthstone is very much a thing in the office. Uh, so we play a lot of Hearthstone. Um, got up to like rank 6 the other month. Whoa, buddy. Which is pretty, it's pretty good. Pretty happy about that. I don't know what any of that means. Uh, it's, it's good. It's, it's better if you don't know. Um, <laughs> I played it briefly. My little brother beat me and I was like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. You yeah, never beat me at good. anything. So that's good. Gotta take this away from you. That's good. Uh, in a past life, I played like a lot of, uh, Dota, Dota 2, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, it's just something you grow up with. Uh, yeah, I, I sort of understand the embarrassment, but also I think video games are becoming more complex and story driven that it's probably no different and no worse than anything else that involves strategizing or reading a book is story driven, right? Like all these things, I think you could draw parallels to. Yeah, like when I was in uh, in film school, there was a kind of like a. She was considered a bit of an outsider uh, in the film school. Her name was what is her name? Sue Bird. Oh at God, Loyola Marymount. We're University. gonna get sued for this, dude. Um, By Sue. Nah, she's she's cool. She was, she, but like this was in two thousand, mid two thousands, right? She was saying like 
video games are like the greenest fields in terms of uh, developing narratives. And uh, no one paid attention to her. But like m- me sitting up there, I'm like, yeah, she's right. And you fast forward like 10 years and look at all these like AAA titles. It's like, yeah, these these have more complicated narratives than any major motion picture these days. Um, just because of the sheer fact of like the... Uh, uh, the different paths that you can take through each storyline. So fascinating in that regard. Terrible waste of, of human time, though. <laughs> Are you paying attention to VR gaming at all? I played with like a development kit of a Layer Vault employee way back in the day of an Oculus and played through like a half like some Half Life Two, and he also played another game. But it was it was pretty amazing, even though even though the resolution was very low. Uh, but I don't pay attention to it much because I know if I do, I'll want one, and then my life will just be over. My roommate had one. Yeah, I yeah. definitely want one. Like yeah. it's, I played with it like twice, and it, it's still like an all-consuming. Like I'm gonna get this. Like I'm, it's gonna happen. Like, yeah, it has to happen. There's no reason not to. I like the concept of it for work. Infinite for size work. screen. Interesting. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of people who are making apps for like just putting screens in space in front of your eyeballs. Yeah. 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 So if I can work at night and not hurt my neck by like sitting on the couch in a stupid angle and like being dumb, I could just have like a keyboard and just have infinite sketch artboards. <laughs> yeah, like there's a I feel like the like the 3D spaces as something usable is a very difficult thing or 3D spaces applied to productivity is very difficult. Oh, I don't want a 3D um, space. I just want the screen without it being like lighting up my apartment. Oh. So Okay, because it's usually while Sarah's asleep. Oh, I can get that. Okay, so you want like a screen screen guard or something? It's like, just like like one of those hood socks, you know, that go connects your head to the screen. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, like a TV like, hat, like for airlines. Yeah, I feel like it would probably hurt my eyes less. Like it's not like a dark room with lights in it. It's like everything it's just is a screen lit. two inches from your eyeballs. Perfect. Just like my mom always told me, get as close as you can. Yes. Yes. You mentioned film school in there. So yeah, let's, yeah. Let's get yeah, let's get back to business here. Yeah, sure, film sure, school. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I got a degree in film production. Interesting. Uh, and computer science. Bold move. Documentaries. Well, I mean, yes, but also film production, like uh, actually producing films, uh, like feature length films and stuff. Uh, at the time, Loyola Marymount, which is one of the film schools in LA, it's a small like Catholic university, was pretty good. It's gotten a lot better since I've left. But uh, yeah, I decided I wanted to do film, and then my parents also said like, "Hey, remember these like computer things?" Um, as I was applying, which turned out to be a very good thing because very hard to make a living in film. As it turns out, as it turns out, as someone who went to school for audio production, I can. I, I can relate. Yeah, well, and, and the frustrating part about uh, a lot of stuff in film, especially early on, is that it feels so subjective, and it's almost entirely personality and grit-based, uh, and I'm not very good at like the like personality aspects of, of business, per se, or just you know convincing people to... And that's the computer scientist in you coming out, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, I, I understand machines. Like, machines are easy because you tell it what to do, and it people does are the exactly worst. what you tell it. Uh, no, I think people are better than machines, but whoa, uh, do you though? <laughs> Risky move. Puppies are better than people. There okay, we go. okay. <laughs> there's the hierarchy. Puppies, robots, people. Puppies, people, people robots. robots. Mm. Okay. Puppies, people, pewters. <laughs> <laughs> pewters. <laughs> uh, nicely done. Just had to make it work. Just need to fix that. Uh, uh, which which side did you feel more drawn to? The arts. The sciences? Like the first part of my school, it was definitely the the film part. Toward the last half of like my schooling, uh, it was definitely the computer science. And it kind of culminated into uh, uh, everyone there, everyone at LMU, I think, has to do a senior thesis or something along those lines. So my senior thesis was building something that was both film and computer science related. What did you write about? It was actually a piece of software, which I never, uh, I never really launched. It was called. Uh, oh man, we're getting into some like history here. Uh, it was called. That's the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was called a Vploy. So deploy with a V, a portmanteau of video deploy. So as a fifth year college student, I perceived like one of the biggest problems in technology 
was needing to send your uh, like a like an episode of something you recorded out to YouTube, Vimeo, Blip TV, Rever, Daily Motion, and like I'm saying these things, and you're like, I don't know what those half things of those are, are gone now. All of them are gone except for like <laughs> YouTube and Vimeo. Uh, YouTube and Daily Motion, yeah. I think, is still around. Yeah, I mean, v- Daily Motion, I think, is like subsidized by the French government or something like that's hilarious, like, weird like that. that makes so, sense. Yeah, they're like they're still around in some form, but. This was very much in the in the early days of web video where it made sense to do that and building an audience on one channel was not uh, was actually what you should have been doing but uh, as long as that channel was I YouTube mean, diversifying yeah, exactly. your assets seems like a good move right yeah not if like the the thing underpinning said assets just tanks like it'd be like investing your entire wealth in uh, uh, like the Zimbabwean dollar uh, <laughs> a decade or two What's ago. that <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's just like the, it's <laughs> yeah. like the go-to. It's like worth like, what, I think 36 billion Zimbabwean dollars is worth like one US dollar. Yeah, I, I mean, think that's what it got to <laughs> at some point. I don't know. That's just like one of those anecdotal things that you pull out of the air. But I liked it. Yeah. What else did you work on in college? Uh, I was on the improv team. Interesting. Yeah, which is actually fascinating because almost every person on our improv team went on to like do something like really cool. Uh, so we, we had two guys who ran this, who I think still run this webcomic called Amazing Superpowers, which is amazing. Uh, AmazingSuperpowers.com. Wes and Tony, they run that. Uh, we had one guy go on to be a writer on Conan and then had a short, short-lived show on Comedy Central called uh, Moonbeam City. Uh, a guy named Casey is now one of the faces of Lonely Sandwich. So if you've ever seen like the Webflow uh, video or what else has he done? He's done like a bike lock video and stuff. Like to me, it's just like, oh, it's, it's Casey doing a, doing a video. But it's, it was weird the first time I saw it because I'm like, is that, is that Casey? Like I did improv with that guy for like three years. Um, and now he's just one of like the, like the go-to guys, uh, for Lonely Sandwich, which is pretty sweet. Eventually they had to expand beyond Adam, right? Like they couldn't always be Adam Lysagor's face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, that's uh, pretty fucking rad though. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's good. Like, like I, I feel like he does like good on like the Lonely Sandwich videos, but that guy was a, a genius on the improv stage. So does he go for the monotone style? Is that a thing? His style of humor is very dry. Okay. Yeah. Good. But it's it's great. I dig it. Where are you originally from? A little town north of Seattle called Everett. I guess it's not that little, but uh, has okay. the largest building in the world by volume. By volume? Mm-hmm. What is that building? It's a Boeing hangar. It can fit oh. 15 planes inside of it. Or like some number of Disneyland's, I forget. But it's huge. See, 15 doesn't sound like that many planes. Yeah. Seems like a pretty modest, modest amount of plans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good word for it. Modest. Yeah. yeah. You also started a business in college, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I started a, a blog which was called Hack College, which was essentially life hacker for college students. Were you bored in college? Because I feel like you are all over the spectrum of computer science to improv theater, and then you're starting websites. Can you focus, Kelly. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, no. What, what was going on? Like why? so many different opposite end of the spectrum kind of things. I think I just, I mean, I, I see this in like my parents and stuff. They can't like, just like sit still and relax. Uh, I'm very much like the same thing. Like my, like my dad always has to be kind of like, have like a little like project, right? You feel like a pre-optimization company. You try everything to see <laughs> what works and then get 10x growth and then optimize. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, it, it, like everything I did in college wasn't, to the detriment of anything else I did. Like I, I got okay grades. I got, I was okay at improv and I was like pretty good at like running like this little blog and I, and like still managed to go out like five nights out of the week or, or however much you go out in college. I don't even know anymore. Like you can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's probably a good sign. <laughs> I think you won there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know where I found the time though. So, but you did it. So you started yeah. Hack College. Mm-hmm. What was that? Uh, yeah, it was a it was a blog for college students, teaching you all of the sweet sweet life hacks for being a college student. What's a good hack? Oh, God, I mean, 
like, well, like do we have to talk about this shit? <laughs> it, uh, I think it's I think it's good. It's good that I have to like acknowledge that I, that I did this at one point in my life. Um, yeah, so we would like write about ways ways to like get rid of like hangovers faster or ways to cram for tests more effectively or like ways to like optimize different aspects of your college life. But really the uh, like the only advice you need to give to a college student is like don't flunk and have fun. Like that's it, it should have just been like the tagline. The tagline or uh big header on the page. Yeah, or just like the only post, you know. <laughs> But then it wouldn't have been as successful. Yeah, then we wouldn't have had like five or six years of uh, of life. Well, it, it actually still exists today, so that's crazy. So Hack College is 10 years old right Are people now. still running it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, Holy shit. That's the crazy part. So it's, like, a, it's still a thing. Yes, wow. very much so. How many so. problems do college students have, though, really? In the digital age, dude? Yeah. <laughs> so many. Snapchat? So like, I, I remember one of the things that we wrote about a lot was using Wikipedia as a source of research, which now kind of seems like a no-brainer back then it was like what's this what's this wikipedia thing this seems very unreliable we weren't allowed to use it It yeah i wasn't allowed to use it either yeah well that's stupid because wikipedia is literally just a lot of people fighting over exactly what this thing means and it is a perfect place to begin well at least find a lot of primary sources right yeah footnotes the footnotes on wikipedia is where you go Mm, can write a paper just like that with uh with those footnotes yeah yeah, yeah. And Brian's like, yes, I did that many, many times. Oh, I did for sure, no doubt. Professors are just like Brian. You didn't even like remove any of the, <laughs> the styling square, from the, the square brackets. <laughs> yeah, like uh, what's what's the guy's name? Uh, the guy who runs uh, Wikipedia, Jimmy Wales. Yeah, yeah. You didn't even remove like Jimmy Wales's face from this paper. Why like, is the top why, of this yellow? <laughs> yeah. Why is why is this asking? Why is your research paper asking me to donate money? <laughs> uh, so what happened after college? You had a choice, right? You had the film, the film direction, the, the computer science direction that you could have gone. Yeah, and so I, I chose both. I ended up working for a company called Blip TV, which was a video uh, video hosting platform uh, based out of New York City. Uh, I had interned for them uh, before my last year of school, and then I moved out there uh, when they extended a, a full time offer to me. Software development. Yeah, software development. Yeah, just because I think New York is a is a great, great city, especially if you're 22. Yeah, just a, an amazing city. Uh, and so that seemed like a hell of a lot more interesting than, than uh, San Francisco or the Bay Area at, at the time. Uh, and so I wrote, you know, I wrote a blog post saying like, ah, San Francisco, Ugh, who would ever want to live here? Or there, uh, and I moved to New York, and it and that was actually the first thing that I ever did that that made it to the front page of Hacker News. You wrote a blog post mm-hmm. about why San Francisco was bad. Yeah, having only spent three months there. Hmm. What were your main points? I don't and do you still agree? I was wrong about most stuff. Like usually, usually you know, you move five years into your life, and you're wrong about twenty-two-year-olds are never wrong. Yeah, ne- never wrong. Never wrong. Especially when they write opinionated blog posts. Yeah, yeah. Like, think of, yeah, I don't know. Like, Medium will have, like, a very, like, weird reckoning, like, five years from now. Or it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Everyone deletes yeah, everything. Yeah, it's like, it's like, man, the the posts on Medium just went from, you know... know They're so poignant. Three million down to one million. What happened? What happened? Everyone realized they were really bad. I mean, everyone realizes that like the world is like a very complicated and nuanced place and can't be can't be expressred in in five five hundred or a thousand words. So, uh, yeah. So I, I, I mo- <laughs> anyway, anyway mo- food, out. food for thought, all of you uh, yeah. your writers out there. Uh, moved out to New York, worked there for about a year, and then that led into uh, uh, met the co-founder of a business that I would later start uh, called Layer Vault. There, did you start that right after Blip TV? Uh, so we started it while we were still employees of Blip TV. Like the ah. problems that led us to starting Layer Vault were uh, problems that we were having at Blip TV. What was that story? What were the the problems, and why did you know you had to build something to fix it? the The problem is the problem that you see a lot of folks have these days, which is you have like a like a mockup for a design that you're working on, and then you have mockup one A, mockup one B, mockup two A, mockup two C. Final, 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 final.psd. Final, final, final.psd. 
Um, and you know, as a as a software engineer, someone who's been uh, who had schooling as a software engineer, you think like we thought that the world needed version control for design files. Do you still think that? I think there needs to be something to capture, like maybe like better document the design process when you want it. But now I realize like those high fidelity comps are such a small part of the design process that building like an entire product and company around it without thinking of everything that happens before and after those um, was a little, little naive. But you guys started it anyways? Yeah, we started it anyways. I mean, we didn't. Well, know you didn't it know it at the time, right? Yeah, yeah, we didn't know it at the time. And for the types of designs that we were doing, that is where we were spending a majority of the time, right? It was like, uh, and it made sense. Like, Blip had a pretty sizable audience. So you needed things to be very, uh, uh, very refined, very, like, the, the pixels needed to be perfect, you know? So it made sense. Uh, so we, like, built a, we built a prototype. Uh, we started maybe in, like, June or July. And then we had launched by October of 2011. Oh shit! I didn't realize it was that early. I think yeah. I first heard of Layer Vault probably 2013 or so, mm-hmm. and you guys ran it till 2014. 2015, actually. 2015. Yeah, we shut down in or we announced the shutdown in March of 2015. What happened? You guys ran that thing for four years. Yeah, it's yeah, quite yeah. a while, right? Yeah. So when we, uh, yeah, it is. It is quite a while in in startup terms. Building tools for designers. Yeah. Building tools for designers. Yeah. You know, much like a 22 year old you know, knows, knows exactly how the world works. Uh, we were adamant that we knew exactly how business worked or businesses worked. And this was our, our first business. Uh, so we were going to bootstrap the thing. So we did that. And, uh, so the first year or so we were bootstrapping layer vault. Uh, and then we kind of got to the point where it's like, man, our, our savings accounts are looking pretty, pretty skinny, low, little low. Did you have paying customers at the time? We did, but I think we were only making like a few hundred bucks a month. So oh, nothing sure. nothing that could even begin to cover like New York rent. And so we're like, well, we should go out and raise some money, which is the, the worst reason to raise money. We um, don't have enough of it. Yeah. <laughs> give us some more. Yeah, give us some more. <laughs> like the people who like we raised money that seed round from were amazing. And there's there's some there's like some serendipity to it that uh, my or the CEO of my current company introduced us to the first person that put money into Layer Vault. Uh, her name's Shanna Fisher. She runs a firm called Highland Venture Partners out in New York. Uh, and like four months after she gave us money, she said in so many words, you guys aren't doing so well. What if you merged with Imagix? And this was like, oh, wow, five years ago at this point. And we're like, Shannon, you're crazy. That doesn't make any sense. We know what we're doing. We know it. We know how to business. Um, <laughs> and uh, and sure enough, here here I am, like five years later, like uh, working at Imagex. Working at Imagex. So she was Sands, right about something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we raised a seed round. Went on to raise a, a Series A. At our biggest, we were 13 employees, and yeah, we never we never found what was known as product market fit. So we. We died the death that so many so many companies do. At the time, did you know what product market fit was? No. So this and, is something you've come to realize after. Yeah. So this is one of the, like the disadvantages of being in New York. N- not as much of this stuff is in the water in Silicon Valley and San Francisco. It's all kind of just in the water. It's all. It's the only thing that people talk this about. Stuff that people just know, right? Is that what you're product referring market to? Fit. Yeah. You're just, you're just born and you just know this stuff. Well, it seems like that's the case. It's like once you get here and you've heard it once, it's like oh. You just know this thing, right? I think that's definitely the case for the most part, but it's also not necessarily a good thing because it's all people think about. It's all people talk about. Like San Francisco is the only place where you can like walk down the street and someone's like, yeah, I'm really liking the latest version of React. I think it's got, uh, I think it fixed all the all the problems the of major uh, bugs, yeah. 014. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm liking it. And you're just like, what? Like, it's the only place where I can... On one commute ride to work, see like six billboards for an email app. Yeah. For a f- yeah. fucking email app. Uh, the worst one is the recruiting one where it's like sexy ads for engineers. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like it's like engineers in just their underwear. Oh, yeah. I've seen those. Yeah. It's fun to bring people for, that have never been to San Francisco yeah, and yeah. notice them noticing the billboards. Yeah. They're like, 
hang on. <laughs> this is really, really specific. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we, ne- we never found that, um, mostly because we didn't even know what it was. Uh, and we suffered from, uh, from a syndrome that a lot of young companies suffer from, which is the like, prima donna syndrome, where you think all of this stuff that actually applies to every single company doesn't apply to you because you're special. Uh, and because you're 20, 23 years old and you know how to business. Do you have an example? Yeah, like we just didn't think like normal, uh, not necessarily accounting practices, but startups, <laughs> startup metrics like applied to us, right? Uh, like we're like, eh, user retention doesn't apply to us. We're not a like a consumer app. It's like, oh yeah, we're not exactly a consumer app, but you should still be measuring things like <laughs> like churn. Uh, yeah, and, and a lot of it was is on me because I'm like that's a hard number to like calculate. Now it's now I know exactly how to calculate it, but at the time I'm like I don't know how to I I know how to business, but I don't know how to I don't know how to I don't database. know how to math. Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, know how to database. Yeah, I don't know how to database. So the software engineer and you failed. Yeah, so we're just <laughs> I actually did almost fail my databases class, which oh yeah, huh. which is uh, the dots are connecting. Yes, yeah, something <laughs> I should have paid attention to. Did you ever fail a class? And this extends to you, Brian. Did you ever fail a class? I failed one. What did uh-huh. you fail? Math. Math. Like what math? There are a lot of math classes. The basic math algebra class. Algebra one. Okay. It was math 112. Okay. Oh, shit. It was algebra one. Right? Yeah. Wow. Damn. I've forgotten all math. Hmm. Except for eight plus eight minus eight plus eight. Like, grid, grid systems. Just got moving. Just moving eights. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I do. What, did you ever fail? Big nudge <laughs> minus two little nudges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's so simple. Uh, no, I haven't failed a class. Never failed a class. I came very close. Databases class and combinatorics class. Uh, and what? Combinatorics. What the hell is that? Is that combinatorials? Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> like I said. Like I said. Um yeah, you know, I think, though, failing a class or getting close to it in mm-hmm. computer science is probably much more common than in any other major I can think of besides something like fuck, bio or, or medical, pre-med or something like that. Yeah, a lot of, like, the close calls with failures usually are wake-up calls, um, and they're usually, they're almost engineered uh, early on to weed out the people who actually want to do this stuff versus the people that don't. And a lot of it is very hard. Like it is very hard stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't have an excuse because all of my classes were like later on and I just didn't. We just know that you were going out five nights a week. So (laughs) yeah, well, yeah. And I was running, I I had this like small empire on my hands. (laughs) I was hacking college guys. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I can't show up to the test. I'm hacking. I'm sorry. I'm a media mogul. Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so of course, uh, you guys talked about this a little bit on immutable, mm -hmm, uh, a a lot of bit, how most of our listeners will know about layer vault Mm -hmm. and connect the dots here. Yep is the side project that was born from Layer Vault. Yeah, news. I guess this is required listening. Is that Immutable episode? Because you keep referencing it. Pause. Go listen to Immutable with Kelly Sutton. Episode 29. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about that, and then I want to get into some a little bit different details than they covered. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, so we started a side project, which was news.layervault.com, which we, it was it was designer news. It was hacker news, but blue and for designers. Um, <laughs> with some slightly better white spacing and... Uh, yeah, yeah, with, you know, like an actual, uh, <laughs> with an actual like designer behind it. Styling. Styling, yeah. Yeah, with a, like a style sheet. There was like a CSS style There sheet was some there. CSS. There yeah. was in fact CSS. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so we, we started that December 31st, 2012, and then by the time we woke up uh, for New- on New Year's Day, we had like 100 users uh, that were like actively using the site, um, and then it just grew and grew and grew from there. And originally it was invite only. And originally it was very much invite only. Yeah, it was it was extremely exclusive. Uh, like it was so exclusive that we had systems in place where if you got kicked or banned, every single person that you invited would also get banned. Why'd you do that? <laughs> uh, because you know we were twenty four at the time and thought that that was like a, a sweet thing. 
<laughs> really? Was it just the novelty was, or was there strategy behind it? There was a little bit of both. I mean, it was mostly like in retrospect, I could say it was mostly like novelty. It's like that, that part of you that thinks, you know, playing, playing video games for six hours is like a good, a good thing to do or a good way to spend your time. Um, well, it gives consequences to you being a jerk. It's not just you that gets in trouble. It's everyone that you invited. Yeah, yeah, and so, but we didn't really communicate that, so it wasn't be nice or else is plenty of communication. It, yeah, I mean, like the the be nice or else rule doesn't exactly say like like be nice or else we will, we will kill you and your family and everyone you've known. Like that's well, it kills. not <laughs> yeah, yeah, ban ban you, know, <laughs> your, you your family and everyone you've you've invited. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, it was. It wasn't a, a nice thing to do. Uh, so I love the. I guess more modern approach of just shadow banning. So rather than kicking people off your service, mm-hmm. you just make them invisible to the world and they get so frustrated they leave. Yeah, so that's that's what we did. So there was a, okay. and we actually went to the, I mean, like hopefully what you're getting out of this is that we were focusing on all of the wrong things, right? So we had, uh, we had shadow banning or, or hell banning as it's known by some, uh, but we went the extra step to when you were shadow banned or hell banned, you were hell banned with everyone else. So there was like a, we called it the circle <laughs> of hell in designer news. I don't know if it still exists. That's amazing. Um, but there was a circle of hell in designer news. And so if you, you could go into hell by like hell banning yourself, which you'd do occasionally, uh, just to see what hell was like. And it was just like a bunch of like spam bots having conversations <laughs> with each other uh, and just like <laughs> promoting stuff that just doesn't need to be promoted. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the early days. I think community is mm-hmm. thrown around a lot. And sure, certainly sure. here at Spec, we've built the Spec community on our Slack team. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the early days. What was that like? Yeah, like early days of, of a community is always always fun because it's just it's basically just hanging out with your friends. Like it's just hanging out with people you know uh, and that you've invited. And then you know, every once in a while they'll invite someone who's cool too. I think that's the early that's the early days for all all communities. I don't I don't think it's very helpful to be nostalgic about it because it it's just kind of a remains pretty pretty incestuous, but I think it's a very it's a very interesting time in in a, in a community uh, as it's as it's blossoming, shall we say. Did it get bigger than you ever expected? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. So, uh, what happened? How did you manage that? Well, so there's only so many designers on the planet. And I mean, gosh, there are even fewer, remarkably fewer, uh, actually talented designers. And I think we got like a pretty good proportion of most of those guys uh, pretty early on, which just kind of made everyone else want to join. How did you get all the smaller portion of the remarkable designers to join your forum? Uh, Can we call it a forum? Yeah, I think I think like a forum is like the best, uh, the best, the best way to describe it. I think really what it was is that Alan was very well respected uh, in the design community, or still is very well respected in the uh, design community. He wrote the blog post that coined the term flat design, right? The flat design era. Um, And so we had some cred built up from that. So when he was like, hey, you want to join this like flat design designer news, (laughs) Uh, flatly design designer news, it was, it was a, yeah, it was kind of a no brainer for a lot of folks. Yeah. What about for you coming from the the software engineering side? Like, were you what were you concerned with as that started to grow and scale? Was did you care about the community or was that kind of Alan's domain at the time? Uh, no, I, I definitely cared about it. Um, I've always been an engineer that has cared about the design of products, both in like the logical sense and the like aesthetic sense. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was always like a, a very like cool thing that like yeah we were. We were the guys that did this, you know. And it's continued to live on, right? So mm-hmm. maybe we can fast forward to, I guess, towards the end of 2014, early 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hadn't found product market fit. What was going on with you inside the company and what was happening at that time? Toward the end of 2014, we knew our bank account was was running low and we weren't putting money into it as fast as we were taking money out of it to pay pay folks. Uh, so we knew the end was relatively nigh, uh, and so we had to do something about it, and we decided to do nothing about it, uh, and just kind of let... Uh, like really conscious decision to do nothing? 
not not really. No, we we tried to we tried our best to make it work. Um, it being the main business, Layer Vault. Like the the sad part about Layer Vault and Designer News and the and the relationship between the two is that Designer News is probably one of the best forms of content marketing out there. Uh, we just didn't have a product on the other end to send people to where they would stick and pay money. So like like part of you kind of like wonders like oh man if like Layer Vault actually like functioned as a product uh, and we we're actually like solving some problems that people had what would things look like today? Um, but yeah, so we, we knew money was running out or I knew money was running out and, uh, uh, and you get to a point where it's like, well, everyone's, everyone's gotta go. Like we just don't, we don't have enough money in the bank to pay folks for another few months. How did you set up the, the wind down? There was like a, a date where it was going to be irresponsible to tell, or if that date passed, I would be an asshole for withholding that information from my employees. So I, I always wanted to give them four weeks to find a new job. And that date was January 4th, 2015. Um, but I obviously knew that that date was coming like in September. Um, so basically between like September and January, we like tried a lot of shit to, uh, to turn things around, but it didn't work. I imagine stressful comes to mind, right? Yeah, yeah, like pretty, pretty like, yeah, like no, a, it's pretty a, chill. Nah, yeah, just. Well, I'm curious how you navigated something. that because I can't, I can't imagine what that was like, and yeah, I'm sure a lot of people can't, and the people who have might not be imagine, sitting in front of mics having having the chance to tell that. I'm I'm curious if if you want to share like what how you dealt with that. Yeah, sure. Like imagine, imagine having like let down like 12 of your best friends all at the same time. Just be like, Hey, uh, I really messed up and it's my fault. And you're going to feel the consequences of me messing up. Like that's, it's like words cannot express how, how kind of just heavy and crappy that, uh, that experiences, but, uh, you know, life goes on. Uh, everyone had a soft landing. They're all doing actually much better now, uh, than they were, were at layer vault. So, yeah. And you as well, you've moved on. So you yeah, came yeah. out of that and now you're at Imagix. Mm-hmm. What are you mm-hmm. doing there? So I'm the chief product officer there. Uh, so I am overseeing all things product related, uh, which is interesting because I'm not, not a, I'm not a like a designer or necessarily I don't think of myself as a product minded person all that much, but uh Imagix is very much a, a product for engineers. Right? right. Like engineers are are the ones doing the implementation. The first time I talked to you, you pulled out a spreadsheet and immediately I knew you were a product person. Like really? it was like in- instant. Yep. Yeah, that was in that was in Tahoe, right? I think so. Yeah. I think was that was like, the first time we like ever got Wait, to, like chat. The first time you guys talked, you pulled out a spreadsheet. I think we talked over email or something. No, okay, uh, yeah, no, I, now, I, I, now I remember the context. Yeah, I was like, I was like, here's what we're like focused on as a business, and I was like, here, like, look at these cells, Bryn. Like, these are <laughs> these are the cells that I care about. That's um, good. Bryn's like it's very mm-hmm. interesting. I was like, holy yeah. shit, this guy's got it together. Well, that was that was also the time that we were trying to like uh, teach Brian what wine was. You remember that? Yes. Oh, oh my shit. god! Yeah, we yeah. bought a bunch of nice wine. To, yeah. to try and teach Brian what good wine was. Yeah, and you didn't appreciate any of it, Brian. What are you talking about? He's like, this is just <laughs> like <laughs> old. <laughs> this is what my old ta- what my old Kool Aid tastes like. A d- god damn it! <laughs> no, <laughs> and I did appreciate it. I appreciated yeah. it very much. Okay, I appreciated several glasses of it. So now you're at Imagix. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about what what the day-to-day looks like in terms of managing products and, and moving, moving your team forward. Uh, the side, you're managing people too, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah managing, people. managing people. And the side piece of that is like how, how the layer vault experience has sort of transferred into the way you work now. So uh, I guess some context would help. So Imagex is a relatively small company. Uh, we are 21 people. I was the 10th, or 11th employee. Um, so, you know, companies of different sizes operate uh, entirely differently, but companies that are 10 people tend to 
all operate relatively the same way from what I can tell. Companies that are 20 people all operate relatively the same way. Like how's, how big is like Facebook these days? I actually don't know how many people work. I think I'm pretty sure it's, it's more than 2000 for sure. I think it's more oh, than well 3000. Yeah. No, no, it's much, much higher than that. Like, is it like 10,000? I don't know if it's 10,000. I don't know the latest public numbers, but okay. it's much higher than that. Yeah. Um, anyway, like, you know, everything, every company tends to uh, operate a little differently. And at Laravelt, I had I had a, a, the interesting thing where I hired every single person that uh, that reported to me. Uh, and at ImageX, I was, I was coming in very much as not, you know, not one of the early employees, uh, but coming in to uh, begin to develop some structure uh, into the company as we grew. Uh, so that's that's been a very interesting experience, uh, and I guess like the the one thing that I bring from from Layer Vault or and that I constantly try to instill in everyone that I work with, which is probably very annoying for them, is that everything that we have and everything that we can do, everything that we are doing, can go away at any moment if we if we mess up. So don't mess up, and don't start like getting don't start like getting lazy. The because, problem is when those mess ups happen over the course of years, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and when and when you become like accustomed to, you know, stuff messing up and it being okay. The thing that I always like to ask myself is like is like what what happens when we don't correct these things? And it's a very dark place. I've been to that dark place and I've never <laughs> I never I've seen want the to darkness. go back. Yeah, I, I never want to go back. I never want to have anyone that I've ever met like go back to that place. It's just not a it's not, when a, it's not a great place. A place where where everything goes wrong. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, the the place where you have to like lay off, you know, like like ten of your friends. Like that's not a it's not a great situation. Now you're not managing people that that you necessarily hired, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's uh that's been a a lesson for me because I uh, kind of came in like a bull in a china shop, being like everything needs to be this way. I got like this the, spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, like I have these like spreadsheets. Like, do are we even tracking churn? Like, because uh, <laughs> I know what that means. But now. what about yeah. the churn though? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be like, like Kelly, just shut up about the churn. Um, <laughs> I, I I came in as as very much like a like a doomsayer, right? And and part of that was because like all of this stuff was was very raw at the time. But uh, uh, and some of it matters, and some of it is very important. And but a lot of it just doesn't. Uh, when you have a company that is working and clicking, it doesn't it doesn't matter so much. Yeah. So how are things going now? Now on the management side, what's what does that look like for you? Uh, good. Like I have to, I, I also wasn't a good manager at Laravel. I didn't spend, I spent more time with my code than I did with, uh, uh, with my employees, which is always, always a red flag with any manager. Like if any manager is spending more than like 20 hours a week, like writing code or doing whatever it is that a, an individual contributor does, I think that's just like a, like a, that person needs to sit down and like have a, a long hard think about what they want to do with their life. Would so. you say that's above an employee threshold? Cuz I think that when it's a really small team like maybe you have like one or two people that you're managing, that's probably a different thing. Sure, sure there's probably like some like rough math in there like uh you're, let's say you're just doing 40 hours a week, you should spend that minus four times the number of people you're managing doing Grunt, not grunt work, but just like the like the tactical. <laughs> yeah. So if you have um, individual eight, contributor eight people work. under you, it should be zero time. Yeah, yeah, that Wait, feels no, no. about right. Ten. Yeah. Sorry, ten. Yeah. Four times the number of people you're managing. Forty minus four times the people number yeah. of people you're managing getting icy. Yeah. Cool. Getting yeah. icy. Icy work. Oh, I thought you meant like an icy. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Like no, there's the, <laughs> it's only like two times <laughs> a Seven Eleven. I see is what I'm talking about. Yeah, always spend time doing that. Getting that's ICs. priority. <laughs> um, and, and so, that, but like that, that is a very hard thing for me to learn because I, I've been doing like development yeah. work like my whole life, and you see, like all of the. You see a lot of engineers like go through exactly the same existential crisis, or even designers for that matter. Like, yeah. I know Facebook is like very, very much like pushing like the if you even indicate that you want to be a manager, they're like boom, management track. Yeah, it's a it's a hard thing. It's like, do you want to do you want to be like building and like in the trenches, 
or or do you want to be like telling the people in the trenches what to do? And I don't think it, one is better than the other. Um, but it's very hard to build a company where both tracks are accepted and appreciated. Are you still writing code? Yeah. Yeah. So what? How do you keep your balance? The the rough rule that I keep for myself is that if someone else is depending on me or someone else's uh, needs a question answered or some help with something, I always do that first. Uh, and then any code that I write is always going to be the like lowest priority stuff. Like it would be nice if it got done, but it doesn't have to get done. Uh, and then I need to help everyone else on my team be better at what they do. Uh, and basically just make sure that they're, they're able to do what they can. What are indicators for you that things aren't going well? Or that the ratio, it's time for the ratios to be changed, or it's time for you to adjust the way mm-hmm. you're thinking about the building. The building burns down. There's an earthquake. There's a flood. Fire. <laughs> Natural disasters. Yeah. So, to, like, to sum it up, like, of the things that won't like void any like insurance policy that you have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. They're just like so, the things are so subtle. Like, I don't think people complaining is a red flag i actually think people complaining is a good thing like if you have like if every single person that you work with is complaining about the right things uh that's a good sign because then you have a team that is very invested in the outcome they care like they care like they they care enough to raise their voice it's the people who document bugs instead of just saying hey there's a problem here and then never saying anything yeah, yeah, or even like the like like a lot of like we have just like a kick-ass team at ImageX. Like a lot of people will like document them and be like, and here's a fix. Uh, well, you actually have a system where you document issues with the company, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a we have a, a like a handbook which is just a collection of markdown files in a GitHub repo that like you can file an issue against the company like culture, uh, just like you could file an issue against like a, a another code repo. What happens there? Do people do that? I always close the issues. Happen. I always close the issues. <laughs> uh, this is dumb. No. Uh, won't fix. Close. This is a feature uh, request. Not a fan. <laughs> That's a no. feature, not a bug. That's a feature, not a bug. <laughs> That's actually really interesting. No, I mean, like, the, the reason for that is to have, like, a, a, a paper trail of all of the decisions that are remade, being made in the company, which is a very, like, crucial point in the company, uh, so that it, if and when we survive many years down the road, uh, very, like, Subtle things will be taken for granted. We'll have uh, we'll have a history behind them, right? Like there's probably many things that happen in both of your companies that you don't know why why they are the way they are. Mm, I know everything. Uh, it's fine. Okay, I as well. Yeah. I have the full context of Facebook. There's See this hair in your head. He's related to Zuckerberg. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, there, there's probably no one person on the planet that has the entire context of like Facebook in their head. You know, that's that's a weird thought. That is a weird thought, and that's a problem, right? Like that. I think information transfer mm-hmm. is like the fundamental problem of building teams. It's so yeah. freaking so hard. Build telekinetics, problem solved. Well, telepathy, I guess. Telekinetics is moving things with your mind. You should be a billionaire by now. Probably, yeah. So you guys have found a way to at least start addressing that in terms just the the commit everything. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, we're trying. Like you can't, none of this stuff is ever perfect the first time around uh, and so you kind of have to embrace the crappiness that is running a young company just knowing that things will get better and knowing that well maybe they never get better I mean I don't know like every every hopefully they get better hopefully they get better but everything will always be crappy a little bit and there's only so much you can do about it and as long as the things that you focus on and the important things get less crappy over time that's that's probably the definition of success right there. <laughs> the important just, things get less crappy. Just a little crappy. crap left on your company. Yeah, well, like, Don't no, wipe too hard. <laughs> like, Jesus. Like, no company has, like, 100% employee happiness, right? That's impossible. I'd actually be surprised if most companies had, like, 70% employee uh, happiness. Spec does. Jerk. Yeah. No. We're well, happy well, yeah. about all yeah. things at all times, yeah. Kelly. Yeah. What drugs are you taking? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the best ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, like, like Spec's fine. Like, you guys are, you guys have, like, a, like, a, like, great, like, tight-knit team. I mean. We don't have to make money. That's the best part. Yeah, that's a good stress reliever. Yeah, that too. Um, Like, oh, this is just for fun. Cool. Yeah, but any any company like subjected to any sort of pressure, it's like it's it's tough. It's very difficult. It's extremely difficult. 
One of the other things, things getting less that is interesting, and uh, Josh Taylor has been writing about this, and I, I think people know it, but in practice, it's a lot harder, and that's understanding the business side of your craft. So mm-hmm. on the software side, understanding how this impacts the business, and certainly for designers actually getting beyond just the pixels and understanding the impact on the business. Uh, how are you kind of thinking about that? I feel like maybe I'm just projecting onto you, but having gone through what you gone, went through with Layer Vault, mm-hmm. how do you think about the business side of things now? Yeah, so I think about it a lot more. And like the sad, the sad part is that that kind of guides most of my thinking these days. So you've done a full swing. Yeah, yeah. And like the like the sad reality of the world is that if you want something to last, it has to be a business, right? At least in it has at, to sustain itself monetarily, right? Is that what you mean? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Like it ha- like at the time of this recording for a product to last, it has to be a business, right? Nice fallback. Until telepathy <laughs> happens. Yeah. Until, which we're working on. Yeah, <laughs> until we live in like a post-capital society. Like, if you want a product to last, it has to be a viable business. And when you start thinking of things in that way, it becomes a very, becomes very hard for a lot of people because you're like a lot of the details that like developers like myself or designers like in your audience would like to focus and spend a lot of time on don't matter. It sucks, but they don't matter. Do you feel like it's bad that you've done a full swing to the other side? Uh, I feel like I'm a, a bit on the dark side, but it's also it's also just it's it's very strange because company companies like Salesforce are going to exist for a while. And Salesforce has been defined by just their kind of crappy interface for a while now. Um, I mean, they're doing some cool stuff these days. I get really excited because I completely agree with you, and I don't think it's the dark side. Really? I think think this is the value of rules and design, is it removes the decisions so you can focus on meeting business goals accurately and quickly. Like, this is why I get so, like, nerdy about pixel-level rules, is because it removes any decision-making as much as possible. It abstracts it out so you can focus on the actual problem. Yeah, I mean there there are like analogs in uh, in uh, like development as well. It's like your customers don't care like what grid system you use or what uh, like framework like programming mm-hmm. framework you use. Uh, oh, they, they just, use React. No way. Yeah, Ugh, <laughs> my my grandmother is like oh, React. No way. <laughs> Not gonna, never gonna come back here. Um, but yeah, they don't they don't care. Like most people don't care. They want to like. Log in, do their thing, extract their value, give you that monthly payment, and then move on with their life. I feel like when I have these commu- these conversations, especially here, what comes back is feedback about like, oh yeah, we have to care about the pixels at this level and just like give so many shits and that's all we should focus on. Mm-hmm. And everyone I have conversations with, they like take it so seriously, but I think there's an unstated desire to remove that stuff as much as possible like the goal isn't to make the focus be there it's to remove the focus on pixel level stuff as much as possible just get it right because there's an objective right in these cases then only a few things become subjective anymore and you can focus on the business goals yeah like you can have you can have a crappy looking product but have a successful business Mm -hmm. uh and you can also have a very like well polished product and a crappy business. Layer Vault was the latter there. Uh, and Layer Vault doesn't well exist anymore. It was clean. Turns out so you clean. can get polish for very little effort if you uh, know I basic I rules. Th- I don't know if that's true, but uh, I totally think it is. Okay, okay. I mean, you're talking someone... about like Hague and Material. No, I'm saying like, well, match your platform. Get a grid system that you follow consistently because that'll set up a base level of polish. Put your icons on a pixel grid correctly. Baseline your text so it's nice and neat. You're you're off to a good start. That is a pretty good start, actually. Like, but but like back in the day, you know, uh, uh, design for your device, like we invented, or like Alan was working through the ideas that became flat design. You know, mm-hmm. like there was like Windows Metro. Yeah, you uh, used to have to be thing. like, okay, here are the six drop shadows you need on every element. <laughs> 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 Spend all your time thinking about drop shadows. I was just like, nah, here's how you fake a reflection in popcorn. Yeah, 
<laughs> and I was like, I don't want to deal with this. So I'm just going to like yeah. change the whole industry. Do you have an opinion on flat? Yeah, it's like the one true way to design shit. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's the way things are right now. Yeah. That's what matters. Yeah, I think it's going to swing back. I think it's already swinging back. Nah. 100%. One word answer. Nah. Nah. It's not even a word. It's more like a like a sound. I think for a long time we've been moving towards simplicity, and I don't see a reason to go the opposite direction. There you go. Affordance and signifier. The okay, two are not mutually exclusive. The more time you spend in one like direction the more these affordances carry over. Okay. Uh, I think I think that also comes back to platform-specific design because each platform has signifiers of these things. I don't disagree. I think there's a lot of people that... Uh, I think in modern UI, there is still questions about what's a button and what's not, and that's a problem. Oh, yeah. And smart people are having these discussions. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't disagree with the idea that we should have a discussion. Yeah. That's just my own person... So that's why, I see it. that's why I see opinion. it swinging back just a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, which is not a, not a bad thing. But we don't need we don't need like leather textures. Oh, that's what I'm talking about, dude. Yeah. That's the little bit. Bring back only the leather, leather. textures. No, no wooden textures. <laughs> just leather textures. Just <laughs> leather just everything. Got to get that stitching and that Corinthian leather texture. Mm. Yeah, we'll mm. let the we'll let the, like the the skeuomorphic like bookshelves go away, but. Please give us back the... Uh, the leather-bound books. Yeah, like the, the <laughs> stitching. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, we're out of time. Mm-hmm. Kelly, thank you again for coming into the studio. Thank, to chat, thanks for having me. To chat with the, the spec guys. The spec guys? The spec guys. Well, the you, design details guys. We're the design details guys. Part of spec. Part of spec. Not all of spec. Uh, anything you want to plug before we go? Follow me on Twitter, Kelly Sutton. Nice and simple. I like it. Cool. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks. That was 115. Thanks to Kelly for coming and hanging out with us for an hour or so. Let us know what you think on Twitter at Design Details FM. Leave us a review on iTunes if you're feeling like supporting us. Uh, every rating helps us. We read all the reviews. So if you have feedback, comments, critiques, criticism, definitely leave us an iTunes review or join our Slack team at spec.fm slash Slack. We're getting close to 4,000 people in there, which is insane. So go join us, spec.fm slash slack. And before we go, be sure to check out our two sponsors who made this episode possible. Thanks once again to Dropbox for sponsoring the show. They are an insane thinking platform that works super well with any kind of file, any kind of device, wherever you are, whoever you want to work with, they cover it all and they just take care of it for you. So thanks once again to Dropbox for sponsoring the show. And thanks so much to Wayno, a killer agency here in SF. We love their team. We love their work. And they want you to just check them out. Go to wayno.co, U-E-N-O dot C-O. Check out their portfolio on Dribbble, of course. And if you need a job, go to their website and check out their careers link. Tell them we sent you. Thanks once again to Wayno. See you next week. Thinking about my puppy lot. I uh, got new a new puppy. puppy. Uh, not that interesting, but puppies are great. It's interesting to the owner. Puppies are always more interesting to to one or two people. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a, almost like a little like side project, right? It's interesting <laughs> only to you <laughs> until you scale that shit, dude. Yeah, yeah. Until you get. Are that, you gonna like... sell that puppy? <laughs> are you Are you raising funding for that puppy? Scale it, sell it, hire it. I I, I have a co-founder for the puppy. Girlfriend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Counts. Uh, don't know what the equity split is yet, but uh, we're working on figuring that out. And you then, haven't and signed a yeah, term gonna, sheet. No term sheet. Yeah, no term sheet yet, but we're working on uh, we're gonna figuring that out, and then we'll probably you know put it in front of some people to get some early feedback, and then uh, raise a f- friends and family round. Yeah, do a friends, <laughs> which I think just means leaving it with them over vacation. <laughs> And then we'll and then we'll look into like you know some more like serious institutional rounds uh, in terms of institutional like, seed round. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe go for the pre seed. I don't I don't know yet. You know the the market's weird. Right What's now. the puppy equivalent of unicorn? Mm, An actual our, unicorn? No, our, I think it's I think it's my puppy. It's pretty great. <laughs> my what, puppy. What are those wolfhounds that have like a best. ridge on their head? I think that would be it. Mm. The Scottish wolfhound or whatever. And they are large, almost mm. horse like mastiff. Mm.
This has been Puppy Talk with Kelly Sutton. <laughs> Puppy details. <laughs> you guys ever notice how like dog details? Dogs have these like little markings. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the real question is: Should should dog owners Code. cut their own dog's hair? Oh. <laughs> uh, as someone who watched my wife cut our dog's hair the other night, no is the answer. <laughs> oh God! I was like, no, this is how you feather it, and it, it just got worse. I was not any better. I've never cut my dog's hair. You don't brush your dog's hair either. It's gross. Because when you brush him, he gets so nervous he sheds more. I think your dog's broken, though. He is broken. That's the chihuahua in him.